Barcelona's world. Podcasts fill the streets. There's only two men who bring order to the chaos. The Hardcasters. Hello and welcome to Hardcasters, the podcast that's also hard. Um, I'm Dominic Diplom. This is Dick Visage. Hello. 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 And hello. Um, hello. You missed, yeah, and you missed that guy. Say hello to him. Hello. And that one at the back, hello. No, no, don't say hello to him. He's, he's, at, the back, he's at the back for a reason. He knows what he did. Um, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, we're going to be talking about... A really important action movie, I think. It's a film that brought together a lot of classic action stars as kind of mercenaries who have to travel to a a fort to fight a bunch of other kind of action stars. Um, uh, it's not The Expendables. That's where I was trying to lead the parallels, but it's not even close to Expendables. It's fucking Shadow Warriors, the assault on Devil's Island. Oh, what? I watched Dad's which... Army. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I should have been a little bit more specific. I mean, to be honest, it's it's. I I wouldn't blame you for still wanting to have gone back and watched Dad's Army. It's not a great movie, Shadow Warriors: Assault on Devil's Island. It's a film, is it though? <laughs> I mean, let's. So hang on. Let before we get into this, let's let's recount the plot. Um, basically, there's a bunch of Navy SEALs who go on a mission to retrieve somebody who lives in a house who might is like a rich villain we don't know what he actually does or what he's done wrong um and then one of his one of the navy seals betrays the other ones and then nothing happens for a very long time then a gymnastic team gets kidnapped and then there's a fight and that's the plot um it stars hulk hogan credited as terry hogan terry hulk hogan it stars carl weathers shannon tweed Martin um, Cove, Billy Blanks pop, pops up in a in a kind of thankless kind of role. Um, Billy Drago is doing his usual slimy villain job, and a guy called Trevor Goddard, who I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about because I really really like him. Thought you might. And it's um, it's it, I think it was made for TV. So believe it or not, there's not a lot about it online, but there is really? a bit of a story about yeah. it. So effectively. I think it was made for TV, but it was made. So Hulk Hogan is a bit later in his wrestling career. So it was around 94, 95. And that's when, this is where I get my wrestling mm. trivia hat. This is when he was in the WCW. So that's, this yeah. is when basically they were kind of touting him as the right for the rival company. And that's when he kind of did a heel turn as well. Yes. And he became quite famous for that. But it was financed, I believe, for Turner Broadcasting, for TNT, which is Ted Turner's company. Ted Turner also mm. run, or ran the WCW before Vince McMahon got on it. And apparently it was a co-production with Eric Bischoff, who was the kind of WCW Vince McMahon at the time, the kind of, you know, boss, you don't cross kind of thing. So it was kind of launched, I think, as kind of, you know, I think WWF or WWE kind of have their own film company now, but I think this is like a prototype for it. So when they were kind of running it on the Turner Broadcasting Network at mm. the time, so this was their stab at kind of branching out into the into the film world and kind of carrying on with 
once they'd signed Hulk Hogan for God knows how much money, I think this was their kind of his contract was then to kind of do all the stuff within the Turner Turner right. Empire at the time. So that's that's what I gleaned from that's, my that's considerably more research than I did. Um and it's it's almost makes this film interesting. I mean that that it's not unenjoyable. It doesn't, you know, it has its moments and but it's not very good. Um, so I, I want to dig down into a few things. Firstly, I think um, what's interesting about this film, and I don't, I, you know, I don't like to be cruel and dismissive. You know, I've not released a feature-length action film starring Hulk Hogan, so I'm already less successful than the people that made this. But I will say, this feels like it was written by someone who has maybe seen two films been told about some very loose screenwriting concepts um, and then just went straight in and handed the first draft in because I think most people even people that aren't necessarily into kind of film stuff know about what, what a three-act structure is beginning middle end but it's not particularly useful because obviously a lot can happen in the beginning a lot can happen in the middle and a lot can happen in the end so there's lots of other Slightly more kind of broken down theories. Five act theory. You've got the Blake Snyder beat sheet. You've got the hero's journey. Um, you've got a whole bunch of things that kind of break down what can happen in moments. Story circles, even some character models um, like Aaron Sorkin's one lends himself to a narrative. This does not seem to be concerned with plotting out a narrative. What should be the opening action sequence? The bit where the Navy SEALs, led by Hulk Hogan try and capture or arrest Billy Drago and are betrayed is half an hour long. It's the first yeah. entire act. If you're talking beginning, middle end, it's the beginning of the movie in the middle. There's nothing but talking. And then the entire third act is the finale. So it's bizarrely structured. And I, I like to pop back in again with things that I think are interesting about the screenwriting. Um, but the, so obviously the thing that's going to draw a lot of people to this are the cast. And it is a good cast. Um, yeah. uh, Carl Weathers, as we've established when we did uh, Action Jackson, is always uh, value for money. Doesn't get a tremendous amount to do. He seems to be a character who just, as the scenes are getting a bit boring, he just pops up and says some things that are slightly more charismatic than everyone else. He gets a few bits of action but no he doesn't get his like standout moment necessarily well there's a bit with a bazooka which got a big gun. yeah yeah but he's very fast talking and he has a lot to, a lot to say shannon tweed who i think genuinely is probably the character i think should be the main character in this film she's actually genuinely pretty good at both the action stuff and just the generally being a human being considerably more so than hulk hogan it's you know, weird because when you think about wrestling in the mm. kind of 80s, I mean, I'm, I was a wrestling fan in the 80s and 90s. Mm. And when you think of people with charisma in, in wrestling, Hulk Hogan is the one that stands out because he was, he, certainly in the 80s and early 90s, he was the big draw. And because, yeah. because of that, he was a big bloke who had a lot of charisma. So he kind of, he had a good, he was good on the mic. He was the kind of all-American good guy. He, you know, he kind of, he was in, I think he was in a rock band as well, didn't they? He did have a spin-off wrestling rock band that yep. he was in. So he did like, he was a pop singer. So yeah. he, he, essentially, he should have bucket loads of charisma. Somehow, that's been drained from him. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's the shit wig that just drains his powers, 
I d- yeah. he's, he's... like a reverse Samson. Um, exactly. And I think it's because he's trying to act. I think he's trying to be this stoic, tough guy. And it just means that he's, when everyone else is just trying to have a bit of fun, he plays it really seriously. He doesn't do it very well, primarily because, and I genuinely, this is the only thing, I couldn't shake this image out of my head. You know, you go to a kebab shop and there's the thing spinning in the window. Yeah. It's like someone's put like a wig on one of them. <laughs> and drawn, maybe yeah. drawn a face on it. It's yeah. like, it's like a, yeah. yeah, Herman Munster meets Meatloaf. Um, it's yeah. it's bizarre. And every time he lumbers on screen, the film just stops dead. And they try and give him all this kind of mystical stuff. So he's into uh, mysticism and he's connected with warrior tradition and he kind of waves his arm about in front of a fire like he's doing Tai Chi. He clearly doesn't know shit about this. Yeah. Can I stop on that point? Because yeah. isn't it implied a bit later on that he's he's Maori? Well, he's got and a tattoo. Well, I, um, I'm sure he, he turned around to Sharon Tui's character and said it's Maori heritage or something like that. And I, I, I was like, whoa, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> There's nothing I, about you that's remotely anything to do with Maori at all. So don't, yeah. no, he can, yeah. he can fuck off because that, that's rubbish. And... Uh, it's not like that even comes back in any way. He doesn't like dig deep into his warrior spirit to defeat anyone. He doesn't, you know, kill someone. I mean, he spoiler, he kills the guy at the end by throwing a fire extinguisher in his neck. And, although, and although he does invoke his warrior powers, and I believe this is this is part of Maori culture, to crush a coconut. Well, he's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that there, there are some there are some <laughs> There are some interesting scenes in this film. That's, yeah, absolutely. Um, so there is this kind of motif which doesn't go anywhere. Um, uh, Martin Cove pops up as a kind of, as the the token shit CIA guy who's, and they keep saying word like, what about your politics? Um, yeah. In other words, what are, what are the rules to stop you just going wherever you want and blowing everyone up? Those yeah. things. And then on the villain side, you have, Billy Drago, who just never ceases to be horrifying to watch in every scene. I mean, you couldn't think of a, you know, a more, I'm sorry, you know, I mean, I I know, I'm sure he's aware of this, but he's an appalling presence. Like he's creepy and slimy. It's like seeing a a large spider in the corner of your room. It's just like, you know, it's there and you can feel it crawling up your back. So he's good. He's good for that. Um, You know, um, Billy Blanks just turns up out of nowhere and has a bit of a fight with Hulk Hogan, then falls off a wall. Um, yeah. But he yeah, does have one, one great moment, which, which I'll, I'll elaborate on later. Um, but Trevor fucking Goddard. So I, I, I've been marginally obsessed with Trevor Goddard a little bit because um, I think most people won't really know who he is, but most people, if they saw this film... And they're of our kind of age. They might recognise him. So he he played Kano in the Mortal Kombat film. Yeah, that's right. And was a kind of, for me, I remember coming out thinking like, I really liked that actor. I don't know. He had a, a very distinctive voice and a very distinctive look. And he had a lot of charisma. And he made that character kind of come alive in the way that others didn't. I, he kind of looks like um, Colin Farrell. Hmm. He looks like Colin, like, you know, Colin Farrell, like at the height of his drinking and drug taking. Yeah. He always looks like Colin Farrell mid-bender. 
like there's a bit where he, where he's in the cockpit of an airplane when they when they kidnap the team and he just appears out of nowhere. He's looked like he's just walked out of a strip joint, just coked yeah, off his head. Uh, yeah. Now yeah. I don't want to be flippant here because unfortunately, and this is generally no laughing matter, um, Trevor Goddard did die of an overdose. He apparently had a bit of a, a habit, um, and that's why we don't see him anymore. Um, but he does look wired all the time. Um, but it gives him this energy, and because of his voice, it's like this croaky part cockney part australian voice yeah it's very interesting to watch him on screen he's always kind of jittery and and, and coiled but if you don't give him some de- decent dialogue it does sound a bit clunky and he doesn't really get i mean in this film there is a line that i think might be one of the worst lines of dialogue i've ever heard in a film is where he pops out of the cut like the little stupid little fucking cockpit like he's this huge guy and he doesn't you know pops out his cockpit and he says you're going to your destination a derivative of destiny and it's like right okay thanks for the english <laughs> lesson was that meant to mean something was that like, no. um like, yeah marry tatty meant shit all now trevor goddard's also in a film called men of war with dolph lundgren where he plays basically the same character but so much better i mean he gets that's a kind of interesting action film it's actually pretty good and we should probably talk about it at some point, but he's really good in that. And really his last real credit, I think he was in the programme, what's the TV show, the American TV show, is about a detective, like a detective show, but in the Air Force. Is it Jag? I never saw an episode. Apparently he was a reoccurring character in that. <clears throat> and the last thing I, he, he did, I think, he was one of the pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's in like two scenes in the... Um, in the uh, Tortuga battle. Other than that, he, he kind of fell off, which is a shame because he had a lot lot to offer, I think. Um, I think as well. What the, the kind of, going back to the Mortal Kombat thing, I think, I, I believe I read this somewhere, probably on a beer mat or something like that, but he was, because he played Kano in the, like you said, Kano mm. in the Mortal Kombat films. I think from then on, the character in the games was based on his performance. Yes. And that sort of, he Australian kind of wise cracking villain, didn't he? Where he actually before it was just a, a kind of look, and then he kind of almost gave this personality to the to the character. So um, at least the world has got that to thank him for. Yeah, you know th- this film's got a fair bit going for it, and it does have a cast. And there are times when it does show some flair. I mean, not a lot of it makes any sense. The it's. It just people saying things that sound like they should be in an action film rather than them actually meaning anything. And but you know when they shoot outs, they're fine. It's not. It's a fairly. I think made for TV. It's a fairly bloodless affair. Um, there's can no. We, can s- we talk about the shark before before we what, carry on? Yeah, I think this uh, is important. this is probably for me the, the standout uh, kind of. Hmm. So it's set, I believe, in the kind of dry. Tortuga region of Florida, which is kind of Caribbean yeah. waters, isn't it? And it's kind of famed for, according to the film, it famed for having lots of sharks in it. Yeah. So in the kind of one of the sequences early on, the kind of sixty-minute battle sequence that starts the whole thing, um, basically underwater with the battle, and Hulk Hogan gets attacked by a shark. Now, I thought the way it was going to go was Hulk Hogan was going to fight a shark. That seemed to be the way it was it was heading. But it doesn't. It kind of gets better than that. It basically, Carl Weathers gets involved mm. and kind of just 
grabs a shark, sticks a lot of explosives in it. Hulk Hogan and Cowards throw the shark. I don't know how gravity works in, in, in the sea in Florida, but they yeah. throw the shark kind of through the water and then it blows up. Yeah, they, they blow up a shark. It's it's almost Batman 66 kind of yes. level stuff. Now, what we will say about this as well is when we say Carl Weathers and Hulk Hogan fighting a shark, don't get excited. There are shots of Carl Weathers and Hulk Hogan flailing about in the water, clearly nowhere near a shark, and then just footage of a shark swimming around and flailing yeah. a bit. I think there might be a couple of shots where there's a human being and a shark in the same shot, but generally it's just, you know, there's almost kind of Soviet montage levels of editing there in that they're, they're trying to create a sense of something happening without ever actually showing it. Yeah. But whatever we say about that, um, the shark does explode. I can confirm that. And so um, this leaves Hulk Hogan with a wound. He goes back to his kind of hut in the, uh, I don't know, in the Florida Keys or something. Um, and for some reason, Shannon Tweed. So sorry to, to establish Shannon Tweed is already at Billy Drago's kind of mansion. She seems to be an yeah. undercover person with no idea who she works for or why she's there. When Hulk Hogan and the Navy SEALs turn up, she kind of gets, she joins in. Um, and so now she just tags along with Hulk Hogan. Um, so that means that she has to go and live with Hulk Hogan for a bit, which I don't understand. And she immediately gets into her pants and just wanders around his house with very little on. Um, and she obviously decides to patch up his wound in what I guess was supposed to be some, develop some kind of erotic tension, um, which isn't. Um, and she gives him the shark's tooth and there's a great shot of him holding up the shark's tooth. It's like really close to the camera and his face is in deep focus in the background. And then it pulls focus into his face. And his face fills the frame. He's like, I hate sharks. And I'm like, this might be an attempt. Like Indiana Jones hates snakes. And you think, yeah. well, I can see where I'd have a phobia. I mean, everyone hates sharks, right? Everyone's yeah. going to be shared scared of sharks. So it's not even like a relatable fear. Yeah. Um, and then that comes back later where they have to swim through some more sharks. And then when he throws Trevor Goddard off a boat into the water, Trevor Goddard gets eaten by a shark. And that's that's the reoccurring shark motif. Yeah, it's, Which again, it's not really kind of, it, it's just there from kind of paper yeah. thin on the surface, isn't it? Exactly. Again, it looks like someone's read a screenwriting book and or skimmed a screenwriting book and said there should be a reoccurring motif and went sharks. Um, and that was that. Shannon Tweed, like I say, Shannon Tweed's very, very good in this. I think she's very charismatic. She handles the action well. She seems to lift every scene that she's in. Um, yeah. And I remember on seeing this a long time ago, because Shannon Tweed, for those who don't know, is probably more famous for the kind of erotic thrillers that would kind of pop up on Channel 5. Um, yeah. She's the, the wife of Gene Simmons from Kiss, but ultimately I think she was a, um, a kind of playboy model or nude model who went into kind yeah. of erotic film. But ultimately, she's actually pretty good as an actress. And I, my abiding memory of this is like, I'm glad that they they just used her as an actress, like as an action kind of heroine, rather than playing to the sexuality. And I was wrong. Um, opening scene, she's topless in it. Oh, right. um, then immediately she gets to Hulk Hogan's house and walks around in her underwear for the yeah. entire duration of that. She wears a shirt, like a denim shirt. So she's clearly yeah. got a shirt to make an effort to cover up. But it's a massive shirt. It's clearly Hulk Hogan's shirt, so it's mm. probably like a tent. But you could wrap a caravan in it, yeah. Yeah, you could. And, but there's no attempt. She's not buttoned it up. Mm. She's not kind of, you know, slung it round herself. She's got it like a button at the top, and the rest mm. of it's just wide open. 
Yeah. So she's got a shirt on, but there's no purpose in it. It doesn't make you doesn't you know it, clearly you can see her pants and a bra. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and so then um, Carl Weathers turns up, and um, this is where it, they just suddenly decide they're going to smash coconuts with their hands. This is some, as you said, Maori traditional ancient warrior thing that Hulk Hogan can crush a coconut in one hand. And Shannon Tweed's properly into it. Carl Weathers is not, understandably, because it's bullshit, uh, an absolute waste of fucking time. Um, and then a helicopter turns up and just shoots the place up. And I, again, I don't really know why. Um, no. And then Hulk Hogan doesn't, you know, throw a spear at it or uh, a throwing star or a blowpipe. He just goes into his house and comes out with a rocket launcher and just blows it up. Um, So, again, I don't really see the ancient spirit thing there. Now, at the same time, Billy Drago's plan is that he's been arrested and he wants Trevor Goddard's character to find a way to get him out of prison. And Trevor Goddard's plan which again might be one of the worst plans ever is to kidnap a gymnastics team, Um, an American teenage gymnastics team and hold them to ransom. And for some reason, like the whole world grinds to a halt because the gymnastics team are captured. But it also cuts to a scene in the, the panic area of the White House. Yeah. When you know, like an Independence Day or something, when they've gathered yeah. there because like this alien attacking the shit out of yeah. the world. This same shot of everyone, the president and his advisors sat around like, Mr. President, what we're we gonna do? So it's a gymnastics team. Yeah. <laughs> he's kidding. It gives, gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sad, but my God. Yeah, find some other people that can bend, you know. Um, it's bizarre. Um, yeah. and considering how annoying the gymnastics team are, just really shrill and awful. Um, I'd have off them day one. So there's all this fucking faffing about and politics this and are we going back in that and crushing coconuts? Um, and but what what's brilliant? So this is my this is my favourite bit. So what happens is that Martin Cove decides, well, um, we're going to send in Hulk Hogan for some reason and his team to have a go at, at them first. They're going to release Billy Drago's character. They give him a small seaplane. And there's this cool looking fort in the Florida Keys that Trevor Goddard's held up in with the hostages. It's got like an underwater dungeon. And I don't think it's particularly strategically sound because it's got loads of big holes in it. But ultimately, it looks good on film. It looks like the kind of headquarters that uh, that Cobra would live in. It's got missiles on it. You know, you can imagine having this as a play set as a kid. But apparently, it's actually it's an American national park. So actually, you can go to it and visit it. So actually, it's kind of it's a, it's a real live cobra place. So you can actually go there. Excellent. I'm up for that. Let's do it. Let's do a, a podcast live from this from where they filmed Shadow Warriors. So Billy Drago and is being escorted in this seaplane by Martin Cove to meet Trevor Goddard at its place. And as they're flying over, um, Trevor Goddard's like, sorry, Martin Cove is like, we need to see a hostage. So they drag up the girl and they're going to show him the hostage on the roof as he flies over. And then we cut to this scene of Billy Blanks holding this girl. So he's, he's standing like legs apart, arms up in the air, and the, he's holding the girl above his head, but not like on her back or front, on her side. Yeah. So she's then doing like a star shape in midair. And it looks like they're doing some kind of Britain Got Talent gymnastic act. It's a ridiculous oh. sequence. And you've yeah. got mid-bender Trevor Goddard with his crazy eyes and spiky hair yelling in whatever accent he's got into a walkie-talkie. 
while Billy Drago and some teenagers doing a fucking gymnastics act in the background. It's genius. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. But yeah. It, but it, there's a shot of it for ages. I know. Like a lingering shot of it for ages, like it's some sort of end of a routine. It's bizarre, but yeah. brilliant. So the plan seems to be that they have to swim through some sharks up a, up a, a kind of well. Um, they're going to re- the rest of the gymnastics team are trapped in a cage in some water. Um, they're going to break them out and then just generally have a shootout. And that's about as, as far as they planned ahead. Um, so we're an hour and a bit into the film now um, and something's going to kick off. And basically what I thought was odd is that un- un- until right near the end, most of the other action stars or stars don't. They picked up another couple of guys who were in it at the start who just seem to be quite random. But I don't know who they are. Um, but basically them, yeah. Carl Weathers and Shannon Tweed just spend the, most of the entire action sequence down in the kind of watery room trying to free, like trying to free these frigging gymnasts forever. They're blowing things up. They're pulling walls down. They're oh, blow talking. Yeah. And but immediately, immediately Shannon Tweed's in her underwear. Like the only way they can distract the guard is the... And this is made in 1997, not 19, like 67. The only way they can distract the guard is to have her stripped down to her pants and bra and walk seductively in up to him. And then she only bothers putting her trousers back on for the rest of the film. Yeah. So she's, you know, swooshing around in the water in her underwear. Hulk Hogan, meanwhile, is running around chasing Billy Blanks. And there's a small fight. Billy Blanks is trying it, it does. Takes and nothing really happens. They just hit each other back and forth. It's just yeah. like, oh, come on, lads. Come on. Um, Martin Cove gets to fire two guns, and there's some, you know, interesting exchanges of fire. But the, the random guy gets a bit more action than everyone else. Um, then Goddard and Drago get in their seaplane, and off they go. Hogan chases them down in a boat. Um, and then Carl mm-hmm. Weathers finally gets some action to do. But again, there's no sense of geography. You don't know who's shooting at who. There's a bit where he's... He goes up on the roof where there's like a missile launcher and some crates and there are people shooting at him and he kind of dies for cover. And I think the implication is that like, oh, no, this is like his last stand kind of thing. Mm. And then he just stands up, walks out in full view with a bazooka and fires it. But not at the location the people were originally shooting from, like a completely different part of the fort. And they just all blow up. And it's, you know, it's fun, but it doesn't make any geographical sense. But then the highlight is the fact that Hulk Hogan chases the boat down, uh, the, the seaplane down in the speedboat. He has a fight with Trevor Goddard, which is fine. And then, yeah, throws a, a, a fire extinguisher into his neck. He falls into the water and then flails about like a dad falling into a paddling pool. As yeah. then you again cut to entirely separate shots of sharks just swimming about. Um, and Hulk Hogan smiles as the shark eats him even though he wasn't bleeding or anything just sharks decides to eat him i mean this is not a good tourist video for the florida keys because sharks are just everywhere and just eat anyone yeah and terrorists could just rock up to a what appears to be a national park and tourist area and just decide it's going to be their their military fortress um yeah that's that's pretty much it yeah can I can I just add one caveat? To that? Go for it. Well, not caveat, but a, a complaint really about this film, but also action films in general. There's probably probably at least four scenes. Hmm. I mean, to be fair, this is t- two big action sequences smushed together. Let's face yeah. it, that's probably yeah. It is. But the 
there's kind of lots of attacks on military bases mm. where the kind of action secret starts where there's a series of drums piled up very neatly in a corner mm. where they park lots of expensive military vehicles next to it. Yeah. If I'm a military strategist and I'm running my own base, I, those oil drums always get blown up first. So yeah. I'd be like, right, lads, shift them. We've mm. got six warehouses here, knock it about, put them in there. That's going to blow up. If someone attacks yeah. that bed, someone's going to shoot that, blow up, blow the vehicles up. But every time they put the barrels neatly piled up in the corner and park all the vehicles around it. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, it's mad. I know. The opening action sequence is just Carl Weathers in a Jeep driving down a long road and at regular intervals is a lorry with explosive barrels that he just presses a button and they explode. Um, and the cars following them get a little bit hotter as a result. Um, again, this is a film that just seems to think that if something blows up, it makes it an action film. Um, There's also a bit later on when when they're kind of in the underwater bit, when they're trying to rescue the gymnastics scene mm. and they spend ages faffing around this ruddy door. Mm. It seems to be like it's, it's completely like bomb metal proof and everything like that. Yeah. Finally, kind of blow it open, but when it blows open, there's a shot above, like from above, like a kind of bird's eye shot of it, and it's clearly made of wood. Mm. Like there's just splinters of wood everywhere. It's like that's a wooden yeah. door. That's not a metal door. It's clearly made of just lots of wood. The the other thing that I noted when I watched it, I I, I kind of watched most of it the other day, and I finished off the the last twenty minutes not long before we we recorded. Um, that as the Hulk Hogan's chasing the boat. Um, Trevor Goddard gets out and goes McBride and that's suddenly when I realised oh I don't think that's the first time I've heard Hulk Hogan's character's name exactly the same I, like, I, I oh, didn't know that his name. I... yeah and I can't name any of the characters in this at all um, it's just Hulk Hogan and Carl Weathers um, and so I think yeah I think Shadow Warriors is not a you know an accurate type door openers I think they spend more time opening doors or opening a door, yeah. coconut crunches. I don't know. Um, sounds like a cereal, but yeah. Um, underwear wearers, dicking around faffers, faffers, yeah. coconut faffers, starring Big Billy Kebab and uh, <laughs> Boobio underpants. Is is and you know and Martin Cove as well. What I always think about Martin Cove, and every time I see him on screen, be Karate Kid or whatever. He's got the best chin. His chin literally looks like an ass. It's just—it's like yeah. a caricature of an ass. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You could you, just pop a cocktail sausage in there, and it would stay. Yeah, hundred percent. Or a little tiny little thong like yeah. wrapped around his chin. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant, and he's much better than than the Hulk Hogan. I like. Oh, I, I think. Yeah, I think Hulk Hogan would have made just a better henchman. Yeah. Frankly, I think get yeah. Shannon Tweed put a t-shirt on. And make mm -hmm. her the main character, get Billy Blanks in the Shannon Tweed role, and get Hulk Hogan yeah. as Billy Blanks's role. That does mean that yeah. Billy Blanks is going to have to start the film off seducing Billy Drago, but why not? You know, some Billy yeah. on Billy action um, is a way to start a movie. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, um, now there is a sequel to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think what's important, so uh, Hunt for the Death Merchant, made two years later, Shadow Warriors 2, um, it is considerably worse. 
than this. Um, it, I think the, the the finale in a quarry is all right. I think it's got it's another example of like an opening scene lasting like forty five fucking minutes. And but I generally think there's like a drop in budget, and everyone cares a bit less, um, and it's a bit wankier. So yeah, I mean this is not this is not great. Um, so there you know there's some enjoyable stuff in there, but I don't think enjoyable in the way they intended. But I will say this, uh, it made me want to see, and I, sorry, I'll rephrase this, more of Shannon Tweed. I mean, like in terms of more of her range, more of her in, I think she'd have made a good cop character, a good action star. Yeah. Carl Weathers is always Carl Weathers. It's one of Trevor Goddard's few, few screen credits. And if for nothing more, the sight of Billy Blanks um, holding a, a, a gymnast above his head, you know, and lots of and an exploding shark. What more could you want? Yeah, you know, ticked a few boxes. Um, apart from the one, the box marked quality. Um, yeah. Forget that box. Yeah. So uh, keywords um, again, as nothing really leaping out here as particularly interesting. I can announce. Sorry, while I'm scanning through these, that we for never say never again. Last week, we got acid urine on there. Yes. Sex list, um, relating to Barbara Carrera's letter of endorsement from James Bond before she exploded, um, but also sexualist, which just yeah. came from me mishearing you say sexless. Um, so that <laughs> doesn't have any relevance to the film whatsoever, but I don't think IMDb gives a fuck. <laughs> it, I mean, in the keywords here, it says opening action scene, there isn't, there's an opening action half an hour, um, yeah. uh, scene. No, um, Gatling gun. Oh, we forgot to say that that um, Carl Weathers does rock a kind of chrome minigun in the opening, yeah. which is, I don't think it's a real gun. I think it's a metal tube that just fires a flame at the end. But it's, you know, it's good. Yeah. Um, in amongst all this kind of warehouse, gasoline, bazooka, grenade launcher, someone's just put wristwatch as a, Chris, as a keyword. Um, fake accident. Blood splatter. There's not a lot of blood splatter. There's very little blood in this at all. Um, okay, so oh, lifting female in air, which I think um, relates to the the gymnastics, but I don't think yeah. that give does it credit really. No. Evil man. I like that as a as a keyword. Surprise ending. I don't remember being at all surprised at any point in this film. No. I'm surprised that I'd made it to the ending. That's about yeah. that's about as surprised as I was. So let's add some fucking keywords. Shit we can get away with now. Well, I've I've gone straight in with kebab man. Kebab man, go for it. In done. Kebab uh, man. Uh so how do we how can we properly visualize for people the starfish gymnastic i mean is it a starfish I, i'm worried that starfish might have other connotations billy blank yeah. starfishing on top of a fort yeah. conjures different a different image for me you know i kind of like the idea of of terrible plan because it's an awful plan it's the worst like if i was billy drago and i said can you find somewhere get me out and then mm. i i called back and the guy's like i've kidnapped a bunch of teenagers in leotards i'll be like what the fuck are you playing at yeah 
Um, like, that's not what I said. Not what I said. <laughs> no, get me out of here. Not <laughs> hang out with some teenagers. Um, yeah, why have you kept the gymnastic team? What yeah. about um, evil, evil star, starlift, or evil uh... <laughs> nasty starfish? No, that's <laughs> <laughs> evil. Oh, hang starfish. on, hang on. We've got, we've got, we've got to have coconut. Oh yeah, um, coconut crunch. <laughs> Let's make it sound like a cereal. <laughs> what's your what's your favourite flavour of Hulk Hogan scene? Oh, coconut crunch. Um, so hang on, so we got <laughs> oh, okay, you know what? So we've got we've got kebab man, terrible plan, coconut crunch, but let's add some more. Um just put evil, put evil starfish in there. I'm gonna okay. Um See, this is where my mind works. So on the one hand, I think like shoehorned nudity. And then I thought, what about naked shoehorn? Just just as a random assembly of words. Um, just to see if anyone's paying attention. Naked shoehorn. I, I, I want to get to a point when when we revisit these in a week's time, we can't even think about what, what the hell were we talking about when we said naked shoehorn. Um, what about uh, we need some reference to Hulk Hogan's Maori mysticism? What about uh, what so, rocket launcher Maori? I've truncated that to rocket Maori. <laughs> said, Is that an Elton John song? <laughs> Done. Right, so um, I think it's time we started um, pitching our own movie. Now, um, we want to do something that's an ensemble, I think, um, much the way that Shadow Warriors is. And I also think that we should look to um, assemble a disparate cast of interesting people. Um, but other yeah. than that, we've had no real prior thoughts. So we're just going to um, fire up the old title generator and let the title generator do the thinking for us. So, strap yourself in, bitches. There she blows. And we're off. Wet Serial Killer 2, Chicago Fingers. Oh. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's, let's put a pin in that one. Raw Monsters. No, okay. Monte Carlo Terrorists 2, Ace Thighs. I mean that could that could fit in with the erotic Channel Five erotic movie kind of thing. Uh, Cyborg Warrior Two, Improper Gangsters. I think there might be a Cyborg Warrior. Karate Bondage. It's keeping with the theme we're going for, actually, isn't it? Today, it, it does. Yeah, it's it's throwing up lots of sex stuff. Cannonball Fighter. Cannonball Fighter Two, Almighty Intent. That's right. Good. Now we can add an F. Cannibal Fighter and have Cannibal Fighters. I quite yeah. like that. Cannibal like Fighters. It. Okay, I'm just cycling through a couple more, see if anything leaps out. Naked Aliens 2, Glorious Encounters. I think that's a, a different movie. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's given me the title Abdominal Pain 2, Computer Police. <laughs> <laughs> Computer police. Can we have Cannibal <laughs> Warriors Computer Police? That sounds yeah. amazing. 
Yeah, Cannibal Warriors. So like this, it, so the title of the film we reviewed today is actually, it's it's got multiple titles, but it's either called Shadow Warriors um, and Assault on Devil's Island or Shadow Warriors, colon, Assault on Devil's Island. So Cannibal Warriors, Computer mm. Police. So yeah. I like the idea this is a, this is a made-for-TV movie, much like mm. Shadow Warriors. Um, but there was a the 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 TV um, network ordered three, so they thought well mm. actually this would make a good like trilogy of movies. They never got to two, um, so the only one that exists and it is titled <laughs> Cannibal Warriors One. Um, the one is in the title, Computer Police. Brilliant. So I think we. we- we need to kind of make it in my head. It's got that mid nineties, nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six, very TV movie vibe about it. So yeah, it's kind of trying to be very glossy and glamorous, but kind of looking very clunky. Yeah, it's Renegade, Thunder in Paradise kind yeah. of territory. <clears throat> now, what I need to establish is: are they also the computer police? Or are the computer police the people they're up against? I think the computer police suggests, because it's 95, 96, kind of at the dawn of the internet, when everyone's getting a bit panicky about internet taking over, Mm. I reckon the computer police is the kind of people they're up against. You know, they're they're old school and they're going against kind of this new technology. And that's where we go. So, yeah, so how about then there is a government group who have been put in charge of policing computer activity, but they are actually um, going to betray the government and steal loads of money electronically. And they're doing this from a uh, installation that the cannibal warriors have to go and infiltrate. So I'm going to suggest as well that the, the, (laughs) the computer police are kind of nerds like mm. uh, four nerdy people who sit like in a circle and they've all got their own kind of uh, workstations, which look nothing like real computers. Yeah. Um, and they've hired a team of mercenaries to protect them while they try and um, subvert the computer systems. But yeah. this also gives us the excuse to employ state-of-the-art computer effects not unlike the lawnmower man. Um, yes. In this scene. Yes, um, absolutely. So already it springs to mind like the, the butch mercenary bad guy comes in to talk to these nerds and he's like really looking down his nose at them. And he spies the, that one of them's got like a VR headset on and he's in a, a computerized sexual fantasy that is created. And the, 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 like, yeah. the mercenary just like, oh God, you make me sick. Can't you get a real woman? So... Um, I'm I so let's okay so let's start with the cannonball warriors who are in my head we start I think start with it I think we set in Florida I think we do that kind of 90s thing where it's set in a sun drenched there's lots of seaplanes landing all over the show Hmm. uh you know there's kind of beachside cabana bars all that steel all that all that stick we shove that in there can we have a fan boat chase yes Yes, Good. Uh, yes, we can. Good. Yes, all day, uh, day long. Yeah. So, okay, so let's have four of the Cannonball Warriors. And I like the fact that they are 
like an ex-military unit who are who have done their tour of duty but are doing private contracts and have been approached. I think as well. Yeah. Think about. I think we think about what was big in the mid nineties. So what? Because obviously it's it, Shadow Warriors is pulling three things that were big from the nineties. So wrestling, mm. action films. It needed a kind of film star, and also Shannon Sweetie, who was kind of more in the kind of burgeoning adult entertainment that was kind of coming out. So there was kind of three people from three different worlds. So I think we pull four people mm. from what was big in the nineties. I've got one. Right I've got away. one as well. <laughs> you go oh, first. You start. No, you okay. start. What was one of the biggest sitcoms of the 90s? The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So um, I'm going to say James Avery played Uncle Phil. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Brilliant. Right. One down. Yeah. Can't mine. You're gone. Now, so people who know me know that... Basically, the to me, the, the, um, I'm gonna stop. Go Can I just pause you there? Yeah. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I've got a pen. I, I think I know what you're going to say. All right, okay. So I'm writing down what I think, who I think you're going to say. Go for it. Okay. So uh, people who know me know that, in my mind, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> there's one, the most beautiful woman in the world. So I'm taking it. <laughs> From <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes, exactly who I'm thinking of. So, <laughs> um, I mean, you're correct. She is. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, so the nineties phenomenon for me, certainly in this country, ninety two to ninety six was Gladiators, mm. and in Gladiators was the most beautiful woman in the world ever, still today. Mm. And if you don't know who she is, then fuck you. Mm. But um, it was one of the female gladiators, Jet. Yeah. Who, Diane Yondale. Yes. To my mind, is the epitome of the most beautiful woman in the world. Mm. So she would be in my, uh, well, any film I'd make, but she would be my pick to be in this film. So I'm going to go ahead. So we had Terry Hulk Hogan. So I yeah. think that Diane Jet Yuldale should be the main character. Okay. It's her Beautiful. vehicle. We, you know, we're producers. American Gladiators is fine, but we saw British Gladiators. We saw Jet and thought, why is she not in a movie? Now, she did do a couple of movies. She was, um, she there was a, uh, a female werewolf movie. She just played the kind of creature. She was in the makeup. But I don't really mm. think she got to act. And, you know, her she's obviously as a gladiator kind of uh, a bodybuilder and a fitness person and had a really incredible physique but was also physically very physically capable and tough so you know action star written all over um, now i mean i i did picture a few you know i wrote to a picture in a few films yeah um, but uh, the, you know the, the court order you know prevents me from saying what they were now so uh <laughs> yeah i mean you say film some loose scenarios. Um, I just sent her a lot of crude drawings. I don't yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, Diane Jet Yuldale is in this. Um, now, sorry, just for the audience to know, I'm eating a packet of prawn cocktail crisp. Why I chose prawn cocktail, I don't know. They're the worst crisp. Um, but I am. Sorry if you have to listen to me crunching. I'm very hungry. So I, I think it would be good. 
unlike what they did with Shannon Tweed in, in, in Shadow Warriors, to have Diane Newdale's character be just a badass. I mean, it's an action film. There, there'll be vests, but I, I think if we can avoid just sexualizing her for sexualizing his sake, um, I think that would be better. So we've got two. So now we've got someone from a sitcom, which is big. We've got yep. some sport star. So yep. I think we need, do we need, do we need a wrestler or do we need, a, I think we need, a, we need an action star, I think. I, I think we need a kind of action star we're trying to either oh. bring back or yeah. who's around that yeah. time. How about Jesse Ventura? I did think Jesse Ventura. And also we get action star and wrestler. Yeah. There. yeah, beautiful. So we've got Jesse Ventura, Diane Yuldale, James Avery. <laughs> well, and then we need one then, more. Do, do you know what we need? I think, do we need, we need either a a, a pop star, mm. as is want that happened in the 90s, or a comedy star. I think we yeah. need one of the two. Yeah, I think so. this person should be like the government liaison, the person who's who's bridging the gap between this group and who deals, who gets the contracts from the government, the black ops contracts. So he's a bit fast talking. Um, I had one in my, my mind, but I'm not sure he, he screams government liaison. <laughs> Go on then. MC Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but wearing his big pants. <laughs> yeah. Let's stick MC Hammer in there. Um <laughs> Yep, I'm I'm down with that. So, okay, we've got an eclectic bunch. So on the villain side, um, we need some generic henchmen. I think. Oh, you know, you know who, you know who would be good. Is it um, hmm. what's his name? Tiny Lister. What's the guy's name? You know the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Zeus, wasn't he? In No Holds Barred. Yes. yes, and the president in The Fifth Element. Yes, what's he was. That? I. I... Think maybe for the for the for the I think for I think we have two or three henchmen that kind of match up to mm. the team, who yeah. kind of mirror their kind of professions. You know, sometimes in the nights where they kind of have someone who is a good and bad yeah. version of each other. They had a good pop star and a bad pop star and that kind of thing. I think we do that. I okay. think we put your bloke in there as well. I think we put um, Trevor Goddard. Trevor yeah. Goddard in there. I think he yeah. needs to be the lead yeah. henchman because we give him that extra yeah. vehicle to be the main bad guy. And I think him fighting uh, Jet would be good, unless, yeah. unless we put Wolf in it. <laughs> I mean, that I mean, it might be a bit on the nose, but can he be a nerd? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um... Just glasses and slick back hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So how about okay? So let's have um, Tiny Lister. Yeah. Let's have Trevor Goddard um, as a as a a rival pop star to MC Hammer. How about someone who's a bit kind of I'm thinking of the kind of villain who's a bit tortury, a bit kind of psychological game. So not necessarily a physical threat, but mm. might have like a butterfly knife. Um, Simon Le Bon. Yeah. Because you have a. Mid nineties, he probably he was probably a bit fat and shit by that point as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what his agent was saying. Just take Simon Lebon; he's a bit <laughs> fat and shit. <laughs> he still wears eyeliner though. Yeah, he looks like Pat Butcher. 
<laughs> Pat Butcher dressed up as a vampire. Um, and then I think uh, a martial arts person. <laughs> a martial arts person in there. Um, <laughs> so that's sorry. Now I've just got Mike Reed as a cast member in my head, which would be great. Can <laughs> He could be the boss because we need a go- we need a boss. No, no. <laughs> Mike Reed is the president. <laughs> oh, yes, he's the president. Oh my god! That foreign listener, that lad who <laughs> sat at the back. Can yeah. You describe Mike Reed to the old to, to him. To, oh, um, imagine if laryngitis wore massive gold rings and had a fake tan. He's the most Cockney East End, croaky voiced, all right, what's going on? Big kind of end of peer comedian. Um, he looks like he's made of mahogany, basically. He looks like yeah. he made of mahogany and he looks a bit like a Toby jug as well. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike Reed looks like a, a leather bound book full of Cockney rhyming slang. Um, and he says, he's, he basically, it, now we're talking about the, the Mike Reed, 70s comedian slash 80s, 90s soap star. We're not talking about the, the, the dodgy racist DJ, Mike Reed. No, no. Uh, but essentially, Mike Reed had one catchphrase, which he managed to put in between songs and everything. And it was basically, he'd growl the word, wallop, <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> well, yeah. Can, can, the, can the President of the United States, in the middle of sentence when he's briefing someone, just say the word wallop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's the President of the United States. Um, I don't give a shit whether he puts an accent on or not. Um, no, I don't think he does. I think he should bother. Yeah. Uh, and I love the fact that every time we cut back to him, he gets angrier and angrier. Um, okay, so I, I think we should structure this exactly the same as Shadow Warriors, right? No, no, no narrative whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the things happening. So we start with the cannibal warriors infiltrating a government target. Now they are being led by the computer police who are using high tech stuff. And as the cannibal warriors are flying out in their plane and they're talking about their past adventures and trying to have some banter, um, I like the fact that Jet. Maybe, maybe there's some what instead of kind of like mystic. Maybe she's like she believes she's reincarnated from an ancient samurai. Maybe she's got a samurai sword on her back. I think she thinks she's a Valkyrie. So yes. I think she thinks kind of she's a Greek goddess, which she, mm. which she is. Let's let's put it there. You know, let's lay it out that she is. Um, so essentially, she her her sword that she has, she believes, is the embodiment of the Valkyrie. So it yeah. carries on a kind of yeah. mystical whatever. How, no, how about it's a hammer? She's like proper Viking. She's got a fucking... Like, like Thor. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Instead of like Mjolnir, it's just a big sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah. The kind yeah. of one, you know when you're putting a tent up and you hit the pegs in the ground? Mallet. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so she's she's a Viking-esque. And she's got like the, the Viking spirit, the Valkyries behind her. Maybe she she actually like says a little prayer to um, Odin before she goes into battle. Yeah, James Avery is kind of sardonic and a bit kind of like been there, done that. You know, I'm in it for the money kind of thing. 
He's got a few one-liners and wisecracks, and he's a bit, um, you know, he's a bit dubious about all this new computer stuff. Then we have uh, who else we got? Yeah, yeah. Jesse Ventura was our was our kind of action slash big muscle star, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Now I think he by this point, so we're talking ninety-five, ninety-six. So mm. he's a bit gone to seed mm. for the in this one. So I think he's got. I think. I think we keep his moustache from Running Man. Yeah. It's a massive, massive thing now. Mm. And I think he's got... I think... I, I'm kind of seeing him with a mohawk. Mm. Well, I kind of like one of the Legion of Doom. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, But he's clearly going bald, but he's trying to get a mohawk out of it. Yeah. Yes. And he's just just Ventura. He's just shouting and, and yelling and doing his stuff. And MC Hammer... Well, he's not on the plane. So MC Hammer is, um, he's not, we're not introduced him yet. It's just the three. And some, like, three other fuckwits who we don't know who they are. Yeah, yeah. They parachute in. Um, they approach the compound. Um, they spend fucking ages setting up bombs. Um, yeah, yeah. Oil, the oil drums are everywhere. Like, fucking everywhere. They put oil drums, like, in trees and everything. Like, yeah. Some, they've, they've made a tree out of oil drums, basically. You think, oh. Yeah, it's going to blow up, isn't it? Yeah, the, the the bad guy is sat by his pool and he rests his drink on an explosive barrel, like a big red barrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and his his drinks like one of those kind of flaming cocktails as well. Yeah, um, and uh, um, they're being coordinated from over ear pieces by the computer police who are in their little circle of of computerization. One of yeah. them makes some lewd comments towards Jet, and she ain't having any of it, and. They go in, they're gonna they, they get the guy, they handcuff him, it's all peaceful, no one's arrest, and then suddenly comms go dead mm. and it all kicks off, and then just yep. shit starts exploding everywhere. Every I like the idea that every time someone fires a gun, something mm. blows up. Yeah, even yeah. if it's not even if it's a bush, just explodes. And it's lots <laughs> of lots of stuntmen just flying. Like in the air, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I think Jet's signature move is obviously, you know, she was the queen of the rings. Yeah. That's not a. That's not, why, is that, <laughs> why is that a film title? My God. <laughs> um, there was a there was a thing in in Gladys where you you would go along the rings and you would have to use your thighs to pull people off. That's worse. Um, yes, so it was. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> she's, got, she's, got, she's got powerful thighs. I like the idea that she crushes people with them. Like she does like yeah, flying yeah. thigh grabs and stuff like that. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, okay. And then this scene goes on forever. And they, they end up in a um, Jeep, like a, an old fashioned 80s Jeep, like a red and orange one. And they're driving along the Florida Keys and things. No, fan. we get to get the fan boat in straight away. They escape on a fan boat. Oh, um, I'm going to add to this. Yeah. What's Florida is famous for? Alligators. alligators. So we swap out the sharks and shadow warriors. All about someone's got a fear of alligators. They're in, they're having the fan boat chase. Um, things are exploding. Then yeah, the, the their fan boat gets shot and bursts into flames. They have to dive into the water. Yep. She gets attacked by an alligator. Mm. James Avery punches the shit out of it. I think she crushes it to death. Oh, yes. And, and when it's dead, it's dead. Yeah. 
James Avery loads it full of explosives and yeah. he pops out the water like um, uh, Chuck Norris in, in Missing in Action, just out the water in slow motion. And he throws the crocodile, this rigid rigor mortis is setting. So the crocodile is solid. Yeah. Also because we made it out of, out of paper mache. And he throws it and yeah. the jaws are open and it sticks on the, the guy driving the bad guy's fan boat and then explodes. Yeah, brilliant. Um, that's an opening. Um, and that's that... just the first 60 minutes <laughs> of, of Cannibal <laughs> Warriors. So then they all get back to shore and then that's when MC Hammer comes up. And I like the idea that MC Hammer always moves sideways like a crab. <laughs> 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 he comes on and uh, sort of says, um, you know, you fucked up. And they're like, blame the nerds, blame the computer. He's always moving when he's talking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he, he, they, the, the screenwriters, obviously, who are white and who don't understand rap, just always make him make the last two things he says rhyme. Mm. Um, so... But basically, he says that, um, you know, you fucked up. And they're like, no, blame the nerds. We do things the old way, the Viking way. And he's like, no, oh, this is the 90s. You know, it's all about modern stuff. You're disowned. You know, you're handing your commission and whatever. And they, and then so Jet's going to go back to her palatial log cabin in the middle of the Everglades or whatever. So James Avery, who's a long, long time friend of hers, goes back with her. <laughs> and he, he he just walks around in his pants yeah. <laughs> with it but like the whole code like Shannon tweeting he goes through her clothes and puts on yeah. one of her shirts which is tiny on him it literally just yeah. comes down below um the chest and a pair yeah. of wife fronts um and he's admiring all her you know horned helmets and yeah. you know battle conches for summoning um the gods and various hammers while the computer police have sunk their teeth into the US government. And this is where we cut to Mike Reed just getting very red and very angry. Uh, what the he, fuck is... like, I think he gets angry, but he's still really cockney. So it literally cuts to cuts to the briefing room and there's lots of panicked kind of American politicians. Those kind of, you know, actors who are in TV and like, my mm. God, what's the president of the day? And he kind of, he walks in and it's just, it starts at the low shot of his he's got like white cream loafers like slip-on loafers mm. on and he shows in but he's walking into the office but he's not walking he's kind of like doing a little shuffle and he's, he's his trousers are really high and he's got like a pair of like kind of yeah. black socks on and one of those kind of uh, sock suspenders yeah and then it cuts to he's got like a pair of cream slacks on and he kind of jives into the into the boardroom, and they're like, "Mr. President, my God!" And he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" And he yeah. does, a, does a little kind of kind of Cockney like fist, you know. He does little kind of boxing movements towards him, and yeah. then he just starts shouting. He just starts kind of getting really yeah. red and starts shouting. Yeah, and I then they all up a lot. So they break news to him that the um, all the gut, the world's finances, all the America's finances have been frozen. And he's like, how can this happen? Uh, yeah, what numpty's responsible for this? And they say, it's our new, we think it's an inside job. We think it's the computer police. 
and he's like, "What the fuck's computer police? Yeah. What's a computer?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, etc. And he says, "You know, I'm not up for this new shit. We need the old guard. Contact the Cannibal Warriors again. So like, we just fired them." And he's like, "No, find them, bring them here." Now, at this point, obviously the the computer police are monitoring all communications, so they think, "Well, actually, we'd better send someone to kill the Cannibal Warriors." Before, so they hire the mercenaries through the internet, and this is where the bad guys turn up, which is Trevor Goddard and Billy Blanks and Tiny Lister. Can they wear like, Legion of Doom like suits, like you mm. know, kind of shoulder pads with spikes on? They've got like really futuristic kind of mercenary outfits on. All the computer police arm them with like futuristic weapons and stuff. Yeah, they turn up soldiers. Yeah. No, no, we're going to give you an upgrade, they say. And it's basically, yeah, yeah it's it's um, American football pads and skateboarding pads. And berets, beret, a red beret, but attached to the, the yeah. rim of the beret are like clear yellow plastic goggles, like like safety goggles, which look, because yeah. they're clearly yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they've got laser sights on their guns or, or whatever. Basically, they look like so they... steps or the Venga boys or something, but with like yeah. guns. Basically, yeah. Like Madonna's backing dancers. So they they get a helicopter and they're going to go and shoot up Jet's Everglades cabin. So we need something to substitute the coconut crushing. I think, I think she, so she's it's got to be Spirit of the Valkyrie. So we're going to kind of go Norse-esque as opposed to Maori. So we're not going tropical. We're going... Well, so if, it, if it's Norse, she could either, my, my, my limited... Imagination is either pulling up fish, mm. like she could be fishing with her hands, like just punching into the yeah. water and pulling a fish out, or yeah. ice. She could be smashing blocks of ice. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking she's somehow making ice out of water, just smashing it all together. Yeah, maybe she's got like a, a huge freezer. Yeah. Where she has ice cubes in, which means yeah. that James Avery's nipples get very hard in there. Um, um, <laughs> And yes, yeah, she's smashing ice, and James Avery's like, "Why am I doing this?" And Jess Ventura is well up for it. He's like, "I can just headbutt this." She's like, "You got yeah. me finesse. You've got a, you've got a channel the spirit of Thor, got a thunder some shit." Anyway, choppers turn up, start gunning shit down. Now, Jet isn't going to go and get a fucking bazooka. She's going to take these people down using proper Norse, you know, stuff. Uh, that's the official term. So yeah. she goes and she disappears into a house. As James yeah. Avery and Jessica Ventura are diving in slow motion away from bullets, she comes out wearing a winged helmet, right? And she's got a hammer, and she properly like spins it, you know, like she's in the Olympics or whatever, and lobs the hammer, and it knocks out the propellers, and that crashes into some barrels which are nearby and explodes, and then stuntmen who we didn't establish were out of the helicopter are still in front of the explosion. They just launch into the air as well there's always someone to be launched into the air i think she should chuck the hammer quite a lot uh, like when she does you know in robin hood prince of thieves where the camera is mm. the arrow and it looks really shit and it's kind yeah. of flying through the air that's what happens the camera goes on top as if it's the hammer and just flies towards villains yes. and they're gurning as it's coming towards him like Urgh. then mc hammer turns up to the dev- at the end of the devastation he kind of crab walks up is he is he in big pants yeah with a suspenders but he's got like a shirt and tie on at the top yeah 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 no he's classy he's professional and he says like oh i've um i've just had word the president wants to reinstate you and jet's like really she's still wearing the winged helmet and he puts her on the phone and then we cut to mike reed at a golf course 
and he's he's in full golf outfit, like big trousers, like big beret thing with a bobble on top. Just whacking, and he can't. He's not very good. He's just just smashing balls and chunks of dirt <laughs> into the sky. <laughs> and every time he hits a miss, he just shouts "fuck." <laughs> and then someone just hands him a big chunky phone. And he's like, "Hello." Um, Cannibal Warriors, <laughs> I want you to go in there, do them, wallop. And they go, yes. And he gets in the golf cart and he drives off and the golf cart goes in a ditch or something. They <laughs> 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 go to uh, MC Hammer. Uh, are you in for this one or are you too busy pushing pens and pressing the flesh with politics? Because, again, all that stuff sounds butch. And he goes, no, no, I'm in. Um, uh, and they all do put their hands in the middle and do a cannibal warriors high five so they're 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 flying off to this place now we cut back to the computer police trevor goddard's with them he's like yeah. right before we go any further you need to transfer us our money and they go all right you know because the, you know, the 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 cannibal warriors are on the way and they punch in the details to their swiss bank account and just as they're about to press send trevor Goddard grabs the nerd's arm and breaks it and just punches in loads of zeros and hits enter. And they're like, yeah, that's that's most of the money. He goes, I don't give a fuck. And then they, they basically, the four of them just start bullying the nerds. Right. Okay. So as the cannibal warriors approach, re, instead of the star thing, I like the idea that they, that Tiny Lister, Trevor Goddard, even Simon Le Bon um, and Billy Blanks all give the nerds wedges. Like massive wedges off the side of a, of of whatever fortress they're on, yeah. and like the, the cannibal is like Jesus, these guys mean business, and they just toss the nerds off, and they're not sorry, that's a wrong phrase there. They throw the nerds <laughs> off <laughs> the top of the building, and they're gone, they're dead, and now it's like the psychos who've got control over the world's finances, and yeah. like we're gonna have to 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 fuck these guys up. So then we're now in the last twenty minutes of the movie. They land the helicopter. And it's just a series of people shooting in the general direction of other people. So to, to emphasize the point that the, the, the kind of henchmen have took over, mm. you know, when it kind of like it, the, the, one of the henchmen's got the kind of the, the gadget or the, uh, you know, the, the device in their hands. Can one of them have strapped a big Commodore 64 keyboard to their arm? And like, I'm in control <laughs> of the world's finances now. And they've got a huge keyboard across their arm, and he's just pressing various buttons and going, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, and on the other one, Commodore 64 keyboard. And on the other hand, he's got the tape deck. And basically, they're they're loading the program that's the world finances. So they're waiting for the – he's got to change the tape over. So when that gets to the end and finally loads, uh, it's all gone to shit. So we've got a pair of people. So obviously, James Avery is going to fight Tiny Lister. Yeah. I think Billy Blanks – is going to fight um, Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Jet is obviously going to go toe-to-toe with Trevor Goddard over a yeah. on a plank of wood over a pit of crocodiles. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, that leaves MC Hammer to fight Simon Le Bon, <laughs> which everyone's always wanted to see. fight, though. Just like they're both yeah. judging sight, like crab yeah. walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like the idea. So I want to go with the jet fight first. I like the idea they're fighting and Trevor Goddard like, strikes her and she falls into the pit of crocodiles and he laughs and walks off. And then he suddenly hears a noise. And when he turns around, she pulls herself out of the pit and she's made herself 
armor out of the crocodile skin. She's conquered her fear. And now she's in yeah. like a crocodile skin Viking outfit. Yeah. And he and he just starts to panic and runs. And she chases him around the where are we having inside of there some base or fortress or whatever. Um, and then she punched him a few times. Um, and one last punch. And I like the idea as he goes up in the air, he gets struck by lightning. I mean, because basically in, in Shadow Warriors, he died completely randomly and coincidentally anyway. Yeah, yeah. So in this, she punched him up in the air. And I like the idea she looks up at the clouds and winks as if Thor's there looking down at her. I don't know whether yeah. we superimpose a giant blonde man's face into the clouds or not. Winking back. Too far. Um, and that could be Wolf. Put Wolf in a big blonde yes. face. <laughs> so I think the Tiny Lister and James Avery fight should involve them crashing through a number of walls. I think it needs to end on one of those boats with a fan behind it. I think James Avery needs to like just throw Tiny Lister into the, into the fan yeah. the and utilise that boat. Just kind of yeah. insert his, like literally pick him up and just insert him into the back of the boat. Yeah, feed him into it. Yeah, I like that. Um, obviously, Billy Blanks will do loads of kicks into Jenny, Jesse Ventura's old bloated face. And yeah. then Jesse Ventura will get really angry and will just do um, some kind of wrestling move on him and kill him in one go. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, Simon Le Bon and MC Hammer are just kind of weird dancing sideways next to each other. Um, I like the idea that Simon Le Bon's kind of like taunting him with a knife. Um, yeah. and... really close up every time it cuts eat to each other it's just their faces like it's yeah. really really close like, uncomfortably so so you mm. never actually see any fighting you just see a close up of their face yeah. and just kind of taunts me I, I like the idea that then once Sarnabon realises the rest of them are dead he just gives up there isn't actually any confrontation they just stare each other out and move around a bit Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. then there's an explosion because some barrels have gone off and they all leap and it freeze frames um, and then slow dissolve to them having a barbecue at Jet's place. They're eating crocodile and then they're, as well. Yeah, they're, they're like, eating yeah. a whole crocodile. They've got it on a spit roast. And then um, there's some shit attempts at humour. At this point, there's another member of the team that we've never seen before. It's <laughs> just at the barbecue. And they say, you know, something along the lines of, well... We did it by the skin of our teeth. We'll have to do it again. And that's because we're the cannibal warriors. And it just cuts to a slow motion shot of them walking from earlier on in the film. And then the credits roll. And yeah. at the end, it says the, the, the cannibal warriors will return. And then they don't. So... What lessons have we learned from watching Shadow Warriors other than to not watch Shadow Warriors ever again? <laughs> <laughs> ever again. Uh, God. Uh, I, I've, I've got a couple of things. I think it taught me, it taught me that sharks are something to be scared of. I don't know about yeah. you, but I, like, my plan was, you know, get the house a bit tidy, buy a shark, Put it in the front room. Apparently, they're dangerous. Um, they don't even need to come near you. They can literally just be swimming around and you'll have to flail about in the water because you're being attacked. So, yeah, sharks are dangerous, one. I also found that um, as justice seekers, you should defend PE classes because villains could just pop out of nowhere and snatch up your school's gymnastics yeah, team. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think... 
if there's like trampolining classes running at the local swimming pool, um, keep an eye out on them. I think even majorettes are at risk because those criminals, they smell, they get the smell of money and they think, you know what? We're a better way to make money quick than kidnapping gymnasts. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think well, it's taught me that you need to make sure you invest in some sort of deep-seated warrior code. So mm. be it the Maori, be it the Samurai, be it the mm. Valkyrie, be it, you know, the Decepticons, anyone that you think has got a code yeah. and they have, uh, you know, a kind of something in there to kind of spur you on in times of darkness. So if you think, you know what, we need to get together, form a team, lads, there's some coconuts in the garden, they're crushing then, yeah. then that, if that's what it's telling you to do, that's what you yeah. need to do. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think also don't underestimate, underestimate the, the applicability of being able to crush coconuts. It's got so many ways you can apply that skill out in the field. None spring to mind, I will say that. I can't think of, of a single reason why crushing a coconut might be useful, but I'm sure it is because that, fucking chunk of kebab meat in a vest said it was <laughs> what a waste of our fucking time <laughs> <laughs> yeah cheers Hulk Hogan yeah you shit so we hope this has been informative to you if if nothing more we've made you think of the lovely Diane Yuldale who I think in her prime kind of had not that she would have given a shit. I think she's a very successful uh, psychologist now or um, uh, counsellor. But um, she could have, I think she could have had a really good action career. I think she still could. I reckon she still could punch my fucking head off. Um, in my head, she is. She's constantly, her acting career goes from strength to strength to strength in yeah. my head. Every Maybe day. every now and again, if regardless of the film we review, you should just pitch as another one of Diane Yuldale's film, imaginary film credits. Oh, I plan to. Fair enough. But we've also given you the image of James Avery in a pair of pants and a tiny shirt and Mike Reed crushing a golf cart. So, you know... Yeah, what else do you want? Eh? What else do you, do you want apart from that? Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's a wallop from me. And it's, it's two wallops from me. Double wallop. Good wallop.